before we start and we go into this episode, do you know what Riz means? Well, is it risable or not? Yes. Yeah. So that means it's terrible. It's derisory. It's you can make a joke about it and feel perfectly okay. One more guess. I'm out of guesses. So Riz means game in the social media world now, Mark, but you probably wouldn't know that. I do not know that. Tom. So if you go up to a girl yeah. and you get her number, yeah. what is that called? Is that called Riz? Yes. There okay. we go. Yeah. That's a great way to start. All right. Yeah. Let's get into so it. So it's basically you've got Riz. You've got yes. game. Thank yeah, you. Okay, I can try that. Now you I can was, tell your, your kids. It's completely new. Yeah. I thought I was doing well by using cringe the way that I did. It's yeah, cringe. Maybe in a year or two it might make the dictionary. We'll see. Riz? Yeah. I hope so. They added a bunch of Gen Z, Gen Alpha, whatever. Got it. Generation we're All up right, to. I got it. So if, as, am I going to get one of your little presents if um, I use it in a sentence and it actually works? In, yeah, we'll collect the infinity stones. Okay. Let's get straight into it. Good o. So I want to understand, Tom, not about your human part, okay. but about the money part. I want to hear about how you actually get to continue to travel around the world doing the things you want and get people to pay. Get people to pay, like brands? Yes. They're, they're paying for that audience. They're paying for that exposure in front of 10 million people on TikTok, for example. That's definitely the, my moneymaker. But it's different because how much do you think I make from TikTok? Like from I, the platform. I would have thought, honestly, you make somewhere between $100,000 and a million dollars a year from TikTok. Well, unfortunately, living in Australia, no creator fund, no nothing. Donuts. You, donuts. That's a zero. Donuts. What, so, what, what, what does a donut have in the middle of it? No, it has nothing. It's a zero. So the only way that people make money out of TikTok around the world is out of a creator fund. Yes and no. In Australia, no creator fund. I'm not entirely sure all the countries that have it, but it's like UK, US, some of the European countries have it. And they've had, they've had a creator program for ages, but it was really bad. It wasn't favorable, no money. But recently they created a new beta creator program in the US. And this is creating longer videos now. That's what they're pushing. So if you make one minute videos and you're based in the US, it's anywhere from one to four dollars US per a thousand views. Which is I think I think it's per a thousand views. Don't quote me on that. But okay. it's well, we'll find out. There is like actual money for creators. But it completely depends where you live. And so when you when I hear things about Google being muscled to pay Rupert Murdoch for his news feed, you're telling me that whilst they go into bat in Australia to protect News Corp and Channel 9 from Google, they do nothing in terms of the regulation to help you get paid the same way that you'd get paid if you were in the US. Are we talking about TikTok? Or? Yeah. Yeah. There's, so there's it's no another problem. example of the government working for Peter Costello and Rupert Murdoch and not for young Australians. Well, that's the thing that I'm not too sure of. Like 
Is that the reason why that, that a creator fund hasn't come to Australia? Well, I assume that yeah. people like you haven't created a union, haven't created some sort of structure that says, hey, it's important for creators in Australia to be treated the same way as creators in America. Yeah, well, it's hard because TikTok Australia, they have a massive office in the city. They have a massive team here, but their TikTok is very – actually, I'll take that back. Every single platform are finding out – are trying to find as many ways as possible to get, to offer people payment mm-hmm. other than just ad, ad revenue. Mm-hmm. So like TikTok has series now where you can pay to watch a series. Mm-hmm. It's like a paywall. Yeah. And Instagram has a subscription feature where they subscribe and they see exclusive content or more like closer. They're doing everything but pay creators mm-hmm. for the content. Yeah. Which I can't wrap my Sucks head around. Ass. Yeah, I can't wrap my head around like if I didn't slave myself and email brands, do all the behind the scenes stuff of a creator that like no one really thinks about. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be where I am today. If for me personally, it's different with other mm-hmm. other people's stuff. And I hope some creators can like kind of like resonate with this. Is I didn't want to. I've been through a few agencies, but I felt like trapped. Mm-hmm. Contract exclusive. Can't work with anyone else. So back to a comment we had before about you feeling like there might be twenty people in Australia like you who are as successful as you, my view would be it's much less than 11. Do you have any really constructive conversations with the other 11 or 20 about how to figure out how to make this a better economic model for you? We all joke about the same stuff. It's just we have to leave Australia. That's like the conversation we have. It's a pretty big indictment on Australia if you're taking the most successful people and pushing them overseas. And certainly that clearly happened with movie stars in the previous generation. But at the same time, what we had from the 60s to the 80s were local content rules, which meant that a whole lot of TV produced in Australia, that was shown on Australian television, had to get produced in Australia, that gave people, allowed an industry to actually form here. But what you're telling me is we're essentially creating this TV of the future with no local content rules and no advocate on behalf of young Australians who want to um, become creators. And for the people who don't understand, who are listening to this because of me, more than half of your children and grandchildren want to be creators if they can. This is the industry of the future. And if people have to turn their back on it because their choices are to go overseas or find a way to go into accountancy or lawyer or something else, that is going to be a tragedy because out of the fog of this is going to be a really important industry and it'll be another important industry and technology that we forced over overseas for absolutely no good reason. Yeah, definitely. And I just, I think the Australian brands are scared to spend money, if that, if that makes sense. Like, I don't want to release like what I charge for like yeah, sure. per post and stuff, but 
when I quote to US brands compared to Australian brands, it is a significant change of how much they're willing mm-hmm. per per video. And you said to me earlier that one of your one of the creators who you regard as being sort of simpatico with you is an Indonesian creator, broadly the same scale as you. Where's he pitching to get advertising? Does he pitch in Indonesia? Does he pitch in Singapore and Hong Kong? Where does he go to find people to support him? Yeah, well, if you're listening, Hario, hello. Um, But he makes a majority of his income from ad revenue, which is interesting, from like YouTube. So YouTube and Facebook are the only two platforms now at the moment that pay all TikTok in parts of the country, sorry, parts of the world, but they're the only one that pay everyone. They don't care what country you're from. The CPM obviously changes, like how much money you get per view, per country, if that makes sense to you. So if you get a view from the US, it's worth more than a view from like Pakistan because it's worth more to the ad spender. So a lot of his revenue comes from just the platforms, but yeah, he is targeting just Indonesian-owned companies because that's his audience so it makes like total sense but the big discussion we had together was how much he charges for a video compared to how much i charge with the same following but that obviously is obviously different because of what country he's in but what you're telling me is actually where the views come from is for youtube the important thing we'll just park tiktok at the moment which is clearly more complicated. But if he's wildly successful in the yep. US, he gets paid as much for those US sourced viewers as they do in the US. Yeah, but he has an Indonesian audience speaks in Bahasa. Yep, Bahasa. So it doesn't really get pushed out. So it's But but from your point of view, if you found some way to get into YouTube in the way that you have been able to in TikTok then you would be in a situation where were you to have, and these are a lot of words, a business with US source people looking at Australian content. I don't really understand. So what you're saying, as I understand what you're saying is TikTok sucks. Yep. I get paid. Don't TikTok, I love you. I swear. Okay. A gun to my head. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. TikTok we love you, but they pay you nothing. Yeah. YouTube, we don't love you, but they pay you something. Yes, the reach is significantly different on short form. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. But the model that they provide you, yeah, yeah, is a better model. For oh, you. they have it. They have it down pat. Like, obviously, the revenue isn't as high as a normal YouTube video, but. They've, they've gone out of their way to help the creator okay. in some regards compared to TikTok. Yep. Yeah. So from your point of view, were you to be able to, and you can't because we love TikTok, pick your TikTok audience up and move them across to YouTube, that would be a better economic deal for you. Oh, most definitely. But that's also you entering a new realm of content, mm-hmm. which I'm personally – not kind of interested in, but I also am. I look at it as it's so much more work. Like the amount of work I do for short form, mm-hmm. doing that for a long video, 
I can't like I can't bring myself to do that right now. Like, so let's talk about that in terms of understanding. So uh-huh. you're saying to me, fifteen seconds, right? Ton of work to do fifteen seconds on TikTok. Where's the crossover point in terms of how many minutes you've got to have the people stick watching you on YouTube for it to work? Honestly, depends on the person. Yeah, I don't know about other creators, but I have like serious OCD with my content. So mm-hmm. everything has to be like perfect. Yeah, my girlfriend will like attest to this. Like everything is organized. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very organized. Like if you can see here, like it's all written down, ready to go. Like. Sorry, what was the question? I just completely forgot. <laughs> the question is, 15 seconds on TikTok, how long does it have to be on YouTube for you to suddenly be in a situation where were you getting the same number of views, it would be a better, okay. a, a vastly better economic deal? YouTube content, I would probably say, well, back like two years ago, it was 10 minutes. Yeah. If you made 10-minute videos, you have you're allowed to have three or four ads throughout the video yep. and each ad is more money. Yeah. So that comes into play with it. The, the length really matters. So over 10 minutes is prime real estate for mm-hmm. tick, um, sorry, for YouTube. They'll push it yep. with Facebook. It's three minutes. Yep. So if you make a three minute video, their algorithm automatically pushes it out, which is interesting. But with YouTube, it's more than the content that you do not realize like the tags, the caption, like the SEO, how it's going to like rank and the thumbnail is probably the most important part of content on YouTube. You know how you, so YouTube, you open it up, you know how to use a computer. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Great start. And then you get to YouTube and it shows you a recommended. Yep. And then it's a bunch of photos and whatever photo is the most appealing, you want to click. Yeah. You know what I mean? The thumbnail is the most important part. But what I'm trying to understand from your point of view is do you have to do two different things? Invest in thumbnail, which is different to TikTok, as well as get people to hang around for 10 minutes to make that a good business model for you? Or it's, yeah, people in social media that are doing YouTube full time, long form, they don't need to rely on anything but the ad revenue. Right. Especially depending on what content, what niche they're in the revenue's higher. Mm -hmm. So for example, finance is the highest paying niche on YouTube Mm -hmm. for some reason. And then- Because where the money is. (laughs) And then it would be like child friendly next and that kind of stuff. Like the more PG you are on social media and YouTube, the more you're gonna get ad revenue. So it is, that's the big thing with everyone in, I would find in the creator economy that is doing TikTok. I've had so many people tell me, past managers, everyone, like, you need to do long-form content. You need to make YouTube videos. But it's not where I personally want it to be at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm ha- like I'm super happy and I'm super, like, just, yeah, I'm just happy with the content I'm making now. Mm-hmm. It does suck that the money isn't completely there. Mm-hmm. But for me, that wasn't the main reason. That wasn't the reason I did content. Mm-hmm. But we talked about how your content migration has been from, you know, gooby things to challenges to food and travel, right? Is it that you just don't like the idea of challenging yourself with more long-form content or is it that you hate the tags or do you feel like that's just not your vibe? It's a bit like asking, you know, a 100-metre runner to run 1,500 metres. Um, definitely there is, there would be a massive disconnect with my audience 
So I have a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I have over a million subs on YouTube, but it's all from the short form content. Mm-hmm. If I was went, if I was to go and post a long form video right now mm-hmm. and just post it, no one would care. Yeah. Because shorts is scroll, scroll, scroll. Yeah. Watching a YouTube video is they have to click on it and they've like actively gone out of their way. Mm-hmm. So for me to go into that world, that is a complete whole new world I have to learn. Mm-hmm. Which do I want to do it? Yes, kind of, but I'm so like invested in short form content mm-hmm. at the moment. And like, I think I'm just going to run with that for now. Like, long form is on is on my mind but and then an idea that i had was is there any way to do some sort of mashup with you mr indonesia find mr philippines find whoever right and run it almost as a game show competition where you'd be able to sort of make these if you want to see the competition so that the 15 seconds, right, like you would do yeah. it before, and then we sticky tape them all together and that gives you 10 minutes or something. That means that you can still do what you're doing at the yeah. moment, but if you want to see more of Indonesia, yeah. more of, like, have you thought about trying to figure out some sort of game show panel thing that allows you to stick with what you're doing but also put something more out there with a couple of collaborators. Mark, you're, you're, your idea you're talking about right now, yeah. you're a bit ahead of your time because this does exist. All right. So there's features on YouTube where you make a short video of yeah. the long video right. and then that's the click funnel. Okay. So it's only new and it's... Click start- funnel, I'll take that. So that's it's a great phrase. It's only, it's only new... To, they're adding to the play to the platforms. Facebook right. is just starting to add it in, but pretty much is you make a short version of mm-hmm. the long video to attract them to that. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to do here is to say, let's assume we create what I'd call a sort of coalition. Yeah. yeah? Like if I'm listening to, I'll come back to my view about how advert ad revenue gets allocated at the moment. I get from what I'm hearing, different things are happening here. But my idea is. Mr. Indonesia does three 15 seconds, you do three 15 seconds, Mr. Philippines does Mr. South Korea, whatever. And then we figure out something clever that's game them together, fix them together. Like a collaborative. Exactly. But so that somebody says, oh, well, this guy did that, this guy did that, oh, let me watch the 10 seconds. So it it means that you don't have to change what you do so well, yeah, but... We put a back in into it that actually allows it to serve the economic model that people are looking for at the moment. That I feel like what you're talking about would like fall under like content houses or like a content group, and it's like a you know the side men or like no. So they're like groups of individuals that come together and they do the videos together, right? And it's like they're a group. They're like a. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm wondering whether you have to do it that way or you can just sticky tape them together and be separate. Well, that would have to, you'd have to know Mr. Zuckerberg to create the feature. Because right now, collaborative posts exist where I can post something, but I can request someone else to be mm-hmm. part of that post. So it goes on both our feed. Right. That's kind of what 
I understand you. you yeah, I'm not sure I understand what I'm saying <laughs> either, mate. I'm just trying to work out some way. Yeah. Where what you've said is, dude, don't ask me to change. You know, I'm yeah. fantastic throwing the javelin. I don't want to learn about the shot put. I just want to keep on throwing the javelin, right? Yeah. And so what I'm trying to do to mix my metaphors is, you know, find some way to put you in the heptathlon where you just keep on throwing the javelin. Not sure that javelin's in the heptathlon, but um, and somebody else goes and does the other stuff, and we string yeah. it together in a way. Because one of the things that I hear you bouncing over is advertising revenue, right? The thing that you won't be seeing at your stage is the guy here has got a budget for here. The guy up in Singapore or Hong Kong has got a budget for yeah. Asia, and the guy in Madison Avenue or in London's got a budget for the world. Yeah. So another big problem about you is when you start emailing people here, they've only got a budget for here. Yeah. And so figuring out how much of the next gen budget comes out of Australia, how much comes out of Singapore or Hong Kong and how much gets allocated globally is going to be a huge part of working out how to make this work. The second part that you said, sorry to take too long on your thing, is a big part of what the reason I'm interested in crypto is exactly what you're talking about here, which is, no, 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 I want to do this, but I can't do it because unless I'm Mr. Zuckerberg, I've got no ability to connect with my audience because there's this choke point that means that I've got to only do what they let me do. I've got no flexibility to directly interact with my um, my customers and my audience. Yeah, yeah. It's back to the way it was. It used to be channel 10, channel 7 and channel 9 and that was all there is and now it's like there's YouTube and TikTok and it seems to me your generation's like, well, that's just the way it was. I agree but for me it's like everything's happening day by day. I know it's like hard to say and people want it to happen now but like the amount of money that brands in Australia spend on TV ads or like mm -hmm. bus ads and stuff like that I personally believe over time that is going to slowly change and more of that budget that they come up with every year is going to go to social media. But it does, but it all gets funneled through. If you look at it, it all gets funneled through Facebook and Google. <clears throat> and so it doesn't touch creators like you because you're not big enough to register. Yeah, and it's. I also think a lot of Australian brands put all the money on Facebook ads or yep. Instagram ads yep. and stuff like that kind of following following the norm of what mm -hmm. they should be doing and that's a big thing that I would love to hear your side of it is like how do you get these old heads to actually listen and be like no this is what's going to work like <laughs> I think you're going to lose it's the problem yeah. I think you look at the all of these choke points be it the media buying companies and the way they allocate money or these different levels means that without finding some way to break it, either under the choke point capitalism model or the Web3 model, you get stuck in the situation you yeah, are at the moment where people love your content and are very, very happy to spend time on it. That creates a relationship between you and, and them. But it's mediated by somebody who extracts monopoly rents and forces you to do things you neither you nor your audience want. I just don't think it's right. But we're going to have to figure out how to fix it ourselves. We're not going to be able to. We're either going to have to fix it in a regulatory environment, which is certainly in the EU, 
working particularly well. In Australia, it's working terribly because the only people who fix it are the powerful old line media guys fighting the new line media guys does absolutely nothing to help you. Tell me yeah. about what are the hard parts of being a creator? I feel like we might have the same problem, but I'm not too sure. Do you sleep a lot? You get good night's sleep? Sometimes, but not often. I find sleep, I get hardly any of it. If like I'm fully on the hamster wheel, as I like to call it, with mm. my with content grind, it's a hamster wheel. Managing everything, which I'm not sure if a lot of creators actually do this, which I'm interested to like hear or like see what people like have to say about this is like how many of them go about having a manager and just staying with them and like that's it. Because I feel like a lot of creators are kind of naive to the whole exclusive contract side of thing. Because mm -hmm. people grow up like, for me, when I first saw my first contract, I didn't really think about it. I just signed it, which is awful. Should not should not have done that. And my dad was like, what are you doing? <laughs> but Go dead. <laughs> but it's just like, I feel like I can't complain about what I do because of what I do, if that makes sense. It makes sense, but it's not legitimate. It's like, oh, there's so much stuff that you could touch on, but I feel like I'm just so blessed to be able to do what I do. Editing takes one to three hours per video for me. Um, brand outreach could be endless time you could spend on that, reaching out to brands, cold, cold emailing, and then going about traveling, organizing all the traveling. Where am I going to stay? What food am I going to try? Where am I going? There's so much behind the scenes of just a short form creator that's like overwhelming. So like that's like the biggest challenges I face now. In the past, it was people like talking bad on me, people from Australia, like if you're from Australia, you'll understand tall, tall poppy syndrome. What are you doing? Like that kind of stuff. But over time you realize that's just a little background noise. It's like, oh, like just go away. Like as soon as you get over that, I feel like that's the biggest thing with any creator is people telling you what to do or not to do, if that makes sense. I feel like it's very common, the same in the business world. It's like, oh, I have this idea, like that's a stupid no, idea. No, but the thing that you don't have in the business world, right, is this unlimited, idea. Unlimited chances? No, I think the, the thing that I want to focus on that's hard is some level or other you're enjoying it and following your passion and therefore you don't feel like it's fair to actually be regarding it as work and therefore um, you can complain about the parts of it that don't work for you and, and you don't like. Like what I got coming out of you today is, hold on, I'm a successful guy. I've got some real business challenges here. Some are policy matters, some are industry structure matters and I've got a legitimate role to be an important person in trying to make this which is what half of Australian young people want to be, a better industry that pays solid middle and upper middle class wages to people. I mean, that doesn't seem to me to be anything that you should run away from, which is you're entitled to have commercial success as a result of the fact that you've done this better than almost everybody in Australia. I don't see why you can't sit there and say, I'm actually going to be an industry spokesman on behalf of the young people of Australia because half the people in Australia want to be you, mate. Yeah. And to go on from that, I find being a creator from the media's point of view, we're categorized as like similar to like athletes. 
that's how I see yep. what I do. It's like sort of in that whole category. Yep. And you look at athletes, they're very like hesitant to talk about change or like what they want or like saying, oh, my job's so I'm hard. I'm sorry. I just, have you seen that Michael Jordan and his mother Netflix documentary? Go home and see that tonight. She single-handedly for him as a high school kid changed the industry for athletes. Yeah. yeah? So with that ringing in my ears, I don't believe it. That deal he did on Air Jordans with Nike completely and utterly changed the economics of athletics and athletic stars forever and ever amen. And it's only a matter of time by somebody somebody's going to do the same. Now you can sit there and you know hide your light under a bushel and say it's not going to be you, but somebody's going to have to do it. But bringing that back, that's not it's very rare you see that in Australia. That's very US based. All that stuff happens. I think that's a terrible indictment on Australia. I know, but I I have really strong opinions on Australian media media or like just media in general. Mm-hmm. I completely dislike it. Mm-hmm. Don't really want to get into it because I don't understand a lot about it. And I think that's where a lot of the younger generation as well can understand is everything's very programmed and it's very, you believe this or nothing else. Like mm-hmm. they tell you what to believe. And so why aren't you allowed to be a revolutionary at your age? Because I don't see myself as that. But why? Mark, to be honest with you, I like making my content and I like my world. I don't know how to explain it. It's like that is so much exposure, Mm -hmm. like too much, I feel personally, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But you've been saying there's some parts about your world that you find frustrating and upsetting. Why is it not legitimate? You can sit there and say, hey, I find them frustrating, but I don't want to engage in it because... I'm too busy making my own content and being on the hamster wheel. I get that. But if it's not you, someone's going to have to do it, mate. Well, Mark, you gave me the opportunity to come here and talk about it. That's well, the good thing because I haven't done something like this before and been able to like my audience and get my perspective of this kind of stuff. I've mm-hmm. never really had that kind of mm-hmm. platform to voice it. I think the problem with us, the old people here, is we're not creating a legitimacy for you or a legitimate format for you and go and talk about this. Everyone's sitting there and going, oh, these kids want to be creators. Why are they on their phone all the time? The answer is, well, increasingly we are on phone, we are online. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to find some way to remake the economy to make this work. Where I'm somewhat concerned is if, if not you, then who? To be honest with you, Mark, in Australia... Everyone's so laid back. And that's, that is kind of the issue. Yeah. It's like, think, oh, it's a problem, but it, it's, it is what it is. But how much of that is because you feel like if there's going to be a solution, it's going to come from the US, which I completely understand. I've seen huge number of very, very successful people who I've touched, you know, Stephen Dash, who went overseas, Nick Molnar, who admittedly got... Um, after pay up and going here, but then had to go and dominate in the US as well. Um, You know, and all of the Hollywood stars have to go over there to be successful as well. And maybe the answer is that is how it's going to be, that for a carve out, we're going to have to do that. But it's very, very sad for Australia if that's the case. It is because it's not 
a problem in the US because they have those, they're able to get paid and stuff. So those problems we spoke about don't actually exist over there. And we're in Australia, so far away, just isolated over here. No one, no one's listening. <laughs> yeah, but it, see, this this is where the historical precedent sort of confused me. Neighbours and home and away, which were really, really important cultural exports for and Australia, they're still going. I know, and they were hugely, hugely successful for creating international talent, as well as incredibly, incredibly. Um, profitable for the people who were creating those. So we've been able to do it before. We didn't do it in the movie business because it was tyrannised by Hollywood. But in the TV business, we were able to do it. Now, I think we could have done better for a whole series of reasons, but we certainly did well. Um, and so the reason why I'm a bit concerned is all of this stuff is clearly multiples of how important Hollywood was, and yet we're pushing people overseas at the moment. Yeah, I feel like it's it kind of is just going to keep going like that because that how do you believe in like that like because it's happened before it will happen again and I think it's the Mark Twain line about history doesn't repeat it rhymes, yeah? yeah. That there are sort of natural patterns. Sometimes they repeat and sometimes yeah. they don't. But do I believe there's going to be some Australian content creators who find a way to carve out a differentiated niche? And is my suspicion that Australians going to have a unique vantage point and there's going to be people who appear out of here in a different way? Yes. I, I don't think the industry stays the way it is. I think Australia is going to have a place on the map. The concern that I've had is that if you look at K-pop, yeah, it's been a vastly more important economic entity for Korea than any of these things in Australia. So K-pop was a surprise for me how important it was, yeah? But what's even more surprising is that Australia hasn't been able to find some sort of comparable model to make that work here. It's, it's hard because the Australian culture is a very unique discussion. I know it has nothing to do with, like, social media but it's very it's got everything to do with it hasn't it yeah i know but i personally find there's like a lot lacking in australian culture which that's what holds us back mm -hmm. like there's every everyone's too scared to do something mm -hmm. or too frightened to try something mm -hmm. here it feels very like everything's eggshells mm -hmm. i think that's certainly true because back to your tall poppy thing but my question is at some level or other, having fought taught tall poppy, had the level of success that you have, you're still telling me that you feel like your degrees of freedom, yeah, in trying to think about how this industry develops in Australia are much smaller than I would have expected, yeah? I, yeah. I, there's something that means that, no, I've got to accept the status quo. I've got to accept the model of the creator economy in Australia the way it is. Um, and I get the tall poppy, I get the everyone's so laid back, but there's some other part that's making this harder for you and your contemporaries to make this work. Would you be as successful if you only stayed in Australia? I ended up 
being the most of my success came from Australia and Indonesia. So where I found it fascinating when I was looking at your stuff was that you said one of your most important sort of touch points was Indonesia. And I saw you do that um, Asian content and that path and thought, okay, that's a part, that's a journey that I um, went on as well. I found Australia limiting on its own. I found America is for the Americans. I didn't, um, the UK was a different thing, but I found Asia absolutely captivating. Yeah. So where I am with you, knowing nothing about your world is just that, that model, right? The, the Australian comes to the rest of the world, South America, Africa, Asia, I think that's a way easier thing for an Australian to do than a European to do or an American to do. How that turns into a business, I don't know. But when I was listening to you, it made you come alive as well, what you saw when you were in Indonesia. You were actually excited by it. So it's not like I'm pushing you in a direction that you don't want to go. When I hear you talking about, oh, well, there's more money in YouTube than TikTok, I'm cutting against the grain. It's not something you feel really enthusiastic about. Whereas I talked to you about let's work out whether you want to eat frog's legs in Vietnam or something like that. Eat anything. Yeah. Or, you know, the weird stuff up in Nepal. Um, Suddenly it's a different thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's a voyage of discovery and the Australians, you can get to carry yourself around the region as an Australian in a way that American never will upon what can't either. Yeah. So at some level or other, to change subjects, the crypto stuff just doesn't work, yeah? My kids, they're like, Dad, it's just so cringe. I am interested in crypto because... It's new. It's like a new whole world. It's something that I believe is going to be around. It's not It's not going yeah. anywhere. It's come too far to go anywhere yeah. now. It's just about, I don't know if a lot of viewers will understand this, is like the volatility of it. Yeah. Like if that is like, if they can somehow figure that out, mm-hmm. it's not going anywhere. Yeah. So we'll get on, on a later podcast, we'll yeah. get this guy, Gray Jabelski on on the podcast who runs Crypto University in Africa. He'll tell you the story of how he was a content creator like you doing work in South Africa. He got on a bus on the back of a bus out of Malawi and after a whole lot of time managed to get a, get a laptop, get himself rent a laptop, get himself going. He was earning $20 a month in South Africa before he discovered Bitcoin. He tried to get on PayPal. He tried to get on um, Stripe. Because he came from Malawi and he had no fix, they wouldn't give him an account. He went from earning $20 a month to $2,500 a month the first month. He was plugged into crypto payment rails. That's how much his life changed, 100x. And everyone talks about, oh, well, that shouldn't be. You've got, you know, mobile money. You've got all these things. It just doesn't work for these people in Venezuela, 
places in Indonesia, etc. You can't do what you're talking about in a lot of places in the world at the moment. So the one, they talk about crypto having five or six heads, but one head, which is these international payment rails. For people like you who don't come from Australia and therefore don't having have functional financial services industry, it absolutely changes people's lives. Now, I think there's other dimensions to crypto that are actually societally productive, but one part is absolutely for sure, where if you're trying to get back, if the number for you is 300 to $500 a month, yeah, without crypto, you are absolutely screwed in seven-eighths of the world. Yeah. So that's a big part of why I think crypto is important. But then the second part that we were talking about today is finding some way to have your audience support you and give you direct feedback about what works and doesn't work other than via the like and reshare button seems to me to be another part of this, yeah, which is... You don't have to milk your audience. You don't have to exploit your audience. You don't have to do all the things that people want. But I think communicating directly with them and getting more feedbacks than shares and likes is going to help you build a business. There's this famous guy, Kevin Kelly, who wrote an article and then subsequently a book called A Thousand True Fans, which was this idea that find your thousand true fans and make that work. Again, moderating that relationship with your thousand true fans via YouTube or TikTok, very, very hard. You've got to find some way to make that connection. Most definitely. And that's one thing that I have been focusing a lot Mm -hmm. in this period. Like the last three weeks, I haven't really been filming content. I've been kind of grasping my head around, honestly, how to make my audience more of a community Mm -hmm. because I do have a large following but I feel like there's a, there's definitely a percentage that isn't fully dialed in or like fully doesn't isn't like fully invested, mm-hmm. which I find with the food content and my personality brings more of me into it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So yep. it goes into what you're saying, and things like that would be cool. And there's so many ideas you could think of. Like they could come up with ideas, or they're like, oh, you should do this, and like. Yeah, that one that you did where it's like asking the person who had one challenge, what's the next one I would do, that felt to me like it was great. Yeah. It just, they're just strangers on the street. They're not followers. But like getting the audience involved with content is Mm -hmm. definitely something that I'm trying to understand more Mm -hmm. because my brain and my thinking with posting for a long time was, this is going to like do the best. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. And then once you see a video get 10, 15 million views, you replicate it or change a little mm-hmm. bit because it's worked. But th- that doesn't create a community. Mm-hmm. You j- it's, just, it's viral. Yep. It's, a good, it's good content, but it's not yep. a community building kind yep. of thing. So I like you touching on that because it's real. like that's super important. Yeah, and as I say, I, I'm not sure crypto is the solution, but certainly any of the existing things don't actually help to deepen that sense of community and the idea yeah. of we're supporting you for this, yeah? You know, we support Tom because we're engaged, we're interested, yeah? And whilst, you know, it's as I've said to you before, it's not at all 
clear to me that anything's come out of crypto that feels like it's the breakout moment in any way. Certainly that's the promise. You know, what I feel like is you were telling me earlier that one of the things that you worry about with the upgrades to the platforms is they're all trying to push you to be very extractive and your advertisers as well. Get them to buy today. Yeah. Well, crypto was worse by a thousand than anything that those guys did. It was like buy a coin, get fuck all, be really embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah, it was a terrible, terrible deal. But underneath it, there should be something that says we support Tom, we're part of Tom. We want to be more invested in Tom. We want to be more engaged. Yeah. Well, they, they do somewhat exist, but they're, they're just percent like percentages of are obviously taken by the platforms as well yeah. if you're using those features well this know. is the promise which is yeah. you should be able to do it without any of the rake to all sorts of different people yeah so tell me tom how do you make money how many different ways do you actually find to make money in your business well it might come as a surprise, but there's only about two or three really big ones that like create the majority of the income. But there's so many lucrative ways that brands are getting creators to promote stuff. So the interesting one that I, I want to speak about the most is artists and music, mm-hmm. promoting music. I think that is done in a way that no one really knows it's an ad and I'm not sure if it's like completely legal to be honest yeah. with you. So how do you think a an artist or a label would go to a creator to promote a new song? So I've heard something about this but I can't remember. I know that it's not the way you think, right? So are you meant to sing the song or dance the song? How does it work? So a lot... A lot of these like labels will just have a budget and they'll just be like, put the song in the background or use the song in your normal content. But it's not labeled as paid promotion or anything. It's mm-hmm. just use the song and we pay you. I don't know how many people I'm exposing right now with that whole like world, mm-hmm. but there's there's no, the, the viewer doesn't know it's an ad. Mm-hmm. The viewer doesn't know they're getting well, paid. It's not an ad, but, but it's, a, it's using yeah. it as a soundtrack. They're being paid to use that sound, mm-hmm. but... That's a very lucrative way of making money that a lot of creators, I would say at least every single creator has done that at least once. And is your guess that it makes 10% of your annual budget running those songs in the background or 30% of your Um, I kind of steer away from it just because of that category of it because it's a bit like it's not, they don't want it promoted as an ad. They just want me to use the song and they're going to pay me. Yeah, and so, but assume that you didn't steer away from it, how much could you make out of it? There's lots of money. Think about, there's new music every Friday. No, no, I get that. But my question is, would you make half, would you make 50% again? Oh, you could definitely make, yeah. So it would transform your economics and you choose not to do it. Yeah. Okay. So that's one that you could do, but you don't. Yeah? Yeah. So tell me about, do you get paid by Qantas or Qantas holidays when you go up to Bali? No. So would they pay you? Probably not. It's a older run kind of company. I don't think I've seen any 
like social media related posts with Qantas. And Would Virgin you? the same, even though Virgin's got a way hipper audience. I think the best one in Australia is Jetstar. Right. They actually use TikTok, promote mm. on TikTok. Yeah. I'm not sure who runs Jetstar yeah. or who's the yeah. funnel, but they've got more of an understanding of what's going on. Right. They're not scared to take a risk. They're not scared. Mm -hmm. They're like, here's Jetstar brand on TikTok and it's like yeah. Gen Z. Mm -hmm. And there's a few great examples of that. Mm -hmm. There's Duolingo, if you've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. They have a phenomenal presence on social media just yeah. by themselves. Mm -hmm. And the other one... But would they pay you? Would they pay... If you went to them and said, I will do Duolingo for... Bahasa when I'm up in Indonesia and I'll do it in Vietnam. Do you reckon they'd pay you to do that? The thing I will say, Mark, which I, I can see the creator economy going mm -hmm. is paying myself yeah. for a brand deal, like for me to post it on my account mm. is going to, is going to disappear right. in like three years. Okay. The main thing that these brands are doing now and like the smart ones are doing it well, is they're getting a creator like myself and bringing them on their team and like run their social media. Because mm -hmm. don't you think that's so much more beneficial to a business if I'm a creator, but I'm in-house for you guys and I'm making content that's building your presence online, your brand's presence. And I've seen, so I had a daughter who nowhere near on your level, but she's trying to build a career in, in your space. And she took over briefly the social media for one institution and within two seconds, the board went absolutely berserk and fired her. Yeah. So the the concern, do I think it's right? When I look at Ryanair's TikTok, I don't know whether you've ever seen it. It's the funniest thing in the world. You think to yourself, compared to the stuff that's out there in advertising, I'd have this every time. Yeah, Ryan's I, it, yeah. I hated Ryanair before I saw that TikTok. And then I thought, wow, it's good. So I'm with you, which is having you run whichever, right, Virgin, Qantas would be fantastic. But I also know the guys who are on the board of Qantas, right, and trust me, hell will freeze over and before they let anybody like you near it. They're so precious, right? That's what I mean, though, with Australian brands. They're not willing to even take that risk. US brands understand it mm -hmm. and they get it. And, like... But to see, see where I'm going, right, as a person who's money, I'm thinking, okay, let's not do that. Let's instead work out whether you've got enough pull to um, charter a plane to actually go and do Tom's Bali holiday, right? So go to your audience and say, guess what? We're going to have a party in Bali, figure out some way to charter the plane, charter the, you know, book the hotel, work out with your mate up there what we're going to do in terms of five days in Bali. Are you well, coming? What? Well, well, thinking about it. Okay. Yeah. Be a fun um, time. But that's a business, right? Like yeah. I reckon you're going to have your own airline effectively um, by the time this finishes because everybody's asleep at the switch. Put three or four of you on, right? You could fill a plane. Could fill multiple planes. Yeah, but that's the point, which is yeah. the part where you're like, dude, I'm on the hamster wheel, so I don't have time to think about that, yeah? But there's going to be a point where the confederation of you, you know, two of you is more followers than Australia. Ten of you is, 
nearly as many as Indonesia. Yeah, the, I, there's a crazy guy out on TikTok. My, oh, sorry, Twitter mostly. This guy Balaji who talks about the network state. I mean, you know, this is the part that the real hair on fire crypto guys say, which is you've got the ability to create your own nation. Oh yeah, that's like. One of the things that is super interesting with creators, like imagine you rallied, like what well, happens already for certain, well, cancelling people, yep. that's a rally of yep. people and then they're just creating a storm on someone. Yep. Imagine if it was like for something good instead, which is a whole nother topic of social media and media in general that I'd mm. love to discuss Great. going well, further. We'll pick another time because I think yeah. the point is impact, right? And calls to action can be calls to action to buy something but they can also be calls to action to do something as yeah. well and i think this point which is what we've got at the moment is the forces of negativity and extremism yeah. whereas i think there's going to be people like you who get the audience to respond in a much more mainstream way and try and drive people towards yeah. the middle and the be forces of you know moderation and and thought in the world you know i do think that that was a big part of why after COVID, I wanted to start making some feel good style content, paying mm -hmm. for people's groceries, like something lighthearted to bring people smiles mm -hmm. because it really highlighted how negative mm -hmm. the world was during COVID. Yeah. And then to my surprise, some of the reaction to that style of content was mostly negative in the comments. It was, why are you filming this? Why are you doing this on camera? But for me, it was just about spreading love to people like watch this and like go do something. You know yeah, what I mean? Pay it forward. Yeah. But all the comments was he's just filming this for views. He doesn't care about this person. Why would anyone do this? Like let him pay for his own groceries. He doesn't deserve it. Stuff like that. And it's like, whoa, it's like how like it just summed up to me how negative everything's portrayed. Mm -hmm. And from that. I've been, I've had one eye open to everything else and just seeing how negative mm -hmm. media in yep. Australia is towards anyone creative. So you won't do the Muso stuff. You haven't done what I call the travel stuff. Yeah. What other things, what are the ways that you make money? The main income is from brand work, mm -hmm. but to be able to put myself in a position to make good money with brand work, I had to fall into the matrix yep. side of the world. Mm -hmm. So when I started content, I was doing pranks and kind of like lighthearted kind yep. of stuff. And that's not really monetizable to a brand. Mm -hmm. So I started like bringing back my image, being more like child friendly, not swearing because Australian culture is very yep. swearing yep. and stuff. So took that all away, took like my English and made it like, worldwide english if that yep. makes yes, sense so i'm not speaking like oh yeah, yeah like yeah. good day like that narrows your audience yep but by by like really like making my content family friendly mm -hmm. and revolve revolved around certain niches opens mm -hmm. doors to brands yep like a year ago mcdonald's wouldn't have worked with me because i didn't do food content but mm -hmm. now i just got i did a mcdonald's deal mm -hmm. for their new burger and that comes because I'm dabbling in the food niche. Mm -hmm. But how much muscle? So let's just talk about McDonald's for a second. Like, how do how do you think about that? Like, if 
if you go around Asia offering people McDonald's or something, like what's the scope of what they're expecting or hoping you're going to do? That's the thing. I had to be in Australia for it. Right. So it was Australia's new burger, like McDonald's burger. So right. that's my biggest thing with how I make money is if I want to make money, I have to sacrifice some of my time to stay in Australia yep. to work with Australian brands. Yep. But obviously I have to as well because of the cutoff of like tax and stuff. I have yep. to be in Australia for a certain amount of time. Is that, I'm no, not, I'm not sure if that's we'll a thing. Come back to, yep. That's something that I'm probably not educated in, but... No, but the more important thing is that a whole lot of budget gets allocated yeah. locally and they don't care yeah. that you got audience 10 times as much. My biggest problem, which is so hard to deal with, is having an audience around the world. Mm -hmm. I'll get US brands emailing me wanting to do a video for yep. their brand, but they're like, oh, you're in Australia, so I can't do it because the brand's US. If the big buckets of money, right, are in the US or the UK... Yeah, but what you're saying is it's all about the US, yeah, then the rules over how the Trans-Pacific Partnership or whatever it was when Trump killed it um, work for people's visa in the US, that's an important thing to creators. Oh, most definitely. Okay, so that's on me before we get to the next time to actually find out because I know that you're okay in the UK. Um, I have so much trouble going through the US border every single time because of what I do for work. Have some. I get. I have so many stories. Like I mean, like questioning rooms for like yeah. hours on end, no yeah. access to anything. Yeah. Just for them to let me through. I'm like, man, come on. No, no, <laughs> I hesitate to go there because of some of the travel that I've done yeah. as well. So you're not alone. But your situation, I think, probably finding some way to fix that as well. So that seems to be be a second one, which is. If all you put in is TikTok creator or something like that, that's going to nail you. Flagged. But, yeah. Flag on the play, straight in the back room. What yeah. are you doing here? Yeah. So <laughs> let's find some way to deal with that as well. And then what else would you think from the point of view of, you know, educating people about what you do? Clearly the US is part of it. Clearly yeah. this point about the music thing, which you've let other people into even though you don't want to do it. What are the other things that you feel like are worth genuinely thinking about if you're somebody with a tenth of your following or something? So not somebody who's broken out, but not somebody who's, you know, small time either. It's honestly the biggest thing with being a creator is I feel like you should be focusing 90% of the time on the content mm -hmm. and everything around you should be taken care of by a team, whatever. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't work in a straight, like mm -hmm. there's not enough, you don't have enough income for that to be a viable yep. option. Yeah. Be like, because I could, I could hire someone to mm -hmm. edit my content and do it, but it doesn't seem like a viable option right mm -hmm. now with like the income. Also, it, I'm surprised there is, it, I mean, I tried and I could never figure out how to do it, but I felt like there needed to be some sort of week work for creators yeah, yeah. that meant that you didn't have to sell mortgage yourself to somebody but there was some sort of back end that allowed people to do that part when yeah. we looked into it we couldn't figure out how to make the business model work for that but somebody's got to be able to figure it out but even as as the result of the time we spent this afternoon i realized big parts of why it is which is actually the average you know like for like an Australian creator gets paid a quarter to a tenth of what a comparable US person does, yeah? And so they just don't 
have a whole lot of money. It's a bit the same as actors, which is you make no money being a manager of Australian actors. It's only when they hit it big in the mm. US and the moment that they hit it big in the US, they want to hire you know, CAA or one of the big American talent agencies. Well, answer this question. How much of my income do you think comes from outside of Australia at the moment? Not including like ad revenue from like Google or Facebook, just like brand work. I don't know, 25, 30%? Probably like 70%. Outside. Was that so, unexpected? Yeah, really unexpected given how pessimistic you've been about getting stuff out of the US. So no, where 70% does, come from outside. Yeah, but yeah. The, but you've said US, you lose a whole lot because you're not living in the US, yeah. right? But still 70% comes. Yeah. yeah. So it's that bad in terms of being a revenue desert in Australia. Yeah, because it's the audiences you have which plays into it. Start with the fact that you've got... 10 stroke 15 million followers. How many are in Australia? How many in Asia? How many in the US? How does it shake out for you? Australia would probably be about 7% of right. that whole audience. And then US is about 30%, 34%. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure of it. And then Asia, yeah. Philippines, Indonesia is my two biggest yeah. after that. And then a bit of the UK. And how much is the Philippines and Indonesia? They're pretty similar of like 15% each. Right, okay. Yeah. And then the UK would be as it's much like as Australia it's or not? Ju it's just just ahead. Just more than Australia. Yeah. So you're really an international business. Yeah. Even though, yeah. So those are the challenges. You run an international business and yet how do people find you? How do people connect with you? It's hard because like... From the brand perspective, mm -hmm. say, for example, McDonald's. They have a McDonald's team in Australia and yep. they have a McDonald's team in the US, but they're completely different yep. budgets, completely different spend. And it's really obvious when you go to work with them. In the US, how much a food brand would pay for me in the US compared mm -hmm. to Australia? So let's be honest. If you get paid for your burger launch here, X, right? Call that 100 bananas. Yeah. If you were in the US, yeah, and launching, how many bananas would you get for the US? A thousand bananas? Yes. Right. Yeah. So pretty much in the US, there is no roof. Mm -hmm. And then you hear that, I hear this constantly when I'm in LA, they're like, oh, that's how much you're getting paid? Like here it's like 40K USD. Mm -hmm. So 6X. Insane money they throw at creators in America. Mm -hmm. So it is hard because I can't go to America and work without the V, without a, you can't work on an ESTA. Mm -hmm. And to get a visa is so expensive as well. And do I want to live in America? It's hard because you don't really choose your audience when you post, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. It kind of just happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the US kind of obviously. Yeah, it's another piece of American tyranny. Yeah. For me, like personally, when I th I think of like creators outside mm -hmm. of like Western world mm -hmm. is how to make, like how would they make money? Or like, like how First, how do they get paid, yeah. right? Like the payment system means they just can't. You know, grey 
until he found crypto, he just couldn't get paid. People wanted to hire him to do all sorts of video editing, other content, but without crypto payment rails, they just have no chance. The other thing that's happening in Africa, which is going to be an absolute tidal wave, is Starlink, which gives a whole lot of rural communities first world Wi-Fi. And that's we're seeing that in some of our education programs in Zambia at the moment. You can get a year's English language literacy de delivered to kids in a term just by a terrible tablet and them in communities connecting to each other. So you're going to see a huge amount of education, you're going to see a huge amount of bandwidth change, and you're going to see ways that they can get paid and not have the money go missing. Why is this like only just kind of happening though? Have you been to Africa, mate? I haven't, but I have my perception of Africa in my head is like safari and dangerous. That's how like... I've been but the, yeah, the way that I'd describe it is there's three types of Africa, right? There's yeah. animals Africa, there's human origins Africa, and there's people Africa, right? So what everybody grows up thinking about is Af animals Africa, yeah? Yeah. But the part that's most fascinating is people's Africa, right? You go to places with real human beings and what they care about and what they're doing day to day and how the world's changing from the, for them and where they left with their grandmothers and where they are going to be with their kids. It's where all the human growth in numbers of people is happening at the moment and it's happening from a very, very low base. And in the same way as you've seen, you know, mobile telephony took over in Africa and nobody ever had a wireline and mobile banking took over in Kenya and nobody ever had a banking, you know, a bank branch. So too with Starlink, you're going to have this unbelievable change from absolutely no bandwidth and inter internet interconnectivity to world-class in a really, really short space of time. So what I'd be saying to you is Africa's not a story that's come and gone or been discovered. It's just beginning. It's really fascinating. It really will be when you come. We, oh, we're going, are we? We are now? going. I told you we're going. I'm just trying to work it out. I think one of the things I want to do is put you in Brazzaville with the supports as well. So I have no idea what that is. You'll, I'll I think it's better if you don't tell me. No, no, no. You've got to see it before you go. You've got to see the Guinness ad. So without crypto right now in Africa, the payments, you can't get paid. Like you think you've got problems and you clearly do. You're getting a sixth to a tenth of what you'd get if you were in America. These guys are getting a 60th to a hundred if they can get anything. Yeah? yeah. And the what you see up in Dubai at the moment and in a whole series of other places is there's a huge, huge wave of African music and African DJs and those things. The payment rails for all of that, as we were talking about with music, that's there right? The demand for African music, but the payment rails for somebody to mix a track in Johannesburg and it gets played in Dubai, yep. there's no way to make that work at the moment. Do you think this is the most positive thing that we could take crypto? Like I this? think it's one of the things. I think you taking control of your life. I think I've always said about crypto, it's not a financial asset, it's a workforce and education asset. Where it's going to matter is employment, education and training. Yeah, The 
Bitcoin is you know six thousand sixty six hundred thousand. Mm. I just don't care. You know, I think crypto is a big sideshow. I think the payment rails are important. I think the education's employment, and I think the ability for people to know that they're actually connecting to other human beings, right? So they have this thing called proof of human out there at the moment, mm -hmm. and things called soul tokens that you can actually know who you're talking to. Was it Worldcoin that yep. launched in? That's Africa? Right. Yeah. So WorldCoin and Sam Altman and everybody created the whole, you know, classic Guardian BBC mm. drama about it all. But fundamentally what Sam Altman knows, and he was the guy who basically rang the bell to start the AI revolution, is without proof of human, we're in an ocean of problems because it ain't going to be long before somebody's going to aim the AI at you, right? Mm. And there's going to be Tom Clone out there. Yeah. It already exists. You see what Meta just announced yes. or just created? Exactly. So, But that was one where they did it legitimately and paid their people, right? Yeah. TomCoin's going to come out of nowhere and somebody's <laughs> going to be scamming you. It's like Stephen Fry had his whole personality stolen and they put fake Stephen Fry out there because he'd read all these audio books for Harry Potter. Yeah. So we want to know it's real Tom, not clone Tom. To touch on more of like the world coin in Africa, because like there's probably people listening that don't really understand it like I do. Why do you think that like that project was chosen to start in Africa? Well, no, they tried to, what happened was it started in a whole series of different places at the yeah. same time. What happened was that there is a constituency of people that think that tech is evil, every part of tech, yeah? Uh -huh. And so Sam Altman was paying broadly the same amount of money for the eye scans all over the world. Africa's way poorer than anywhere else. So the five bucks or the 15 bucks that you got for joining up WorldCoin was yeah. way, way more powerful in incentive. It was the equivalent of getting $1,500 if you're in Australia, right? So. In Nairobi, they lined up round the block and then everybody's gone because of something we'll come back to. It's exploiting the poor Africans again, mm -hmm. yeah? And so then it was like, well, we're not going to do this. And the reason was that part of the scraping for AI, yeah, was getting done by human beings in Africa serving them really, really difficult and traumatic content, yeah? And that blew up into a story as well so that everyone was primed, the sort of tech bro haters in Africa to say this is exploiting the Africans again. Yeah. yeah. But underneath the fog of all of that, there are a whole lot of positive things happening in technology. Now, everybody hates on Elon Musk this week, but the truth is Starlink is going to change Africa for the good. So... People might hate what he's doing on Twitter, but what he's doing for the Africans in terms of Starlink is absolutely extraordinary. And is Starlink's global, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's already here, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And if you yeah. know people who've got rural um, places, yeah. Starlink's a game changer for them. It's a 1,000x the game changer for people in Africa. Going on to what you're saying, just because I feel like my audience and like people my age might be like interest a bit more like interested in it is like why you think we should 
care about like Web3, if you mm -hmm. want to talk about that? Sure. I, ultimately, as I say, Web3 as the 2022 version and before is despicable. It was exploitative. It came out of a financial bubble that was absolutely terrible. And if you look at the net effect of it, I don't think human society advanced at all as a consequence of that. Now, in contrast to that, I feel like Vitalik and the Ethereum project is a real thing. It's going to end up making the world a better place. So don't hear me as saying mm -hmm. crypto hasn't done some good things, but a huge amount of what crypto has done that's been good is via Ethereum. Now, a huge amount of where the world thinks the crypto has been good is in Bitcoin. And I think Bitcoin is a weird, weird project, semi-religious and semi-financial, and it's got a whole lot of American crazy staple to it. Now, as I say, <clears throat> it's a religion. We don't know whether it's the Mormons and they're going to create Utah and Salt Lake City and do a whole series of really, really good things on, this, on the back of an absolutely crazy religion, or it's the Branch Davidians and it's all going to end up dying in Waco, Texas. I don't know. But so you don't think Bitcoin is... I don't think Bitcoin's anywhere near as important as Ethereum in That's terms of advancing the world. Now, I was 100-0 Ethereum versus Bitcoin 12 months ago. But what's happening at the moment in terms of the Bitcoin blockchain, this is probably too much for people, but what they've done with these things called SATs, which are one sixty thousandth of a Bitcoin block, um, that means that actually Bitcoin is now becoming competitive with Ethereum. So stuff that is happening on the Bitcoin blockchain that made Bitcoin a lot more interesting to me. Now, there's a whole lot of what they call Bitcoin maxis who are saying, no, 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 what's happening in ordinals and the SATs protocols is a sideshow. It's going to mess the blocks up and stuff like that. I don't agree with them. So because I go down the rabbit hole of crypto sometimes. Yep. And do you think all that stuff that they share about the halving, the big, it's gonna, it's gonna go to the moon side, again. Side, it's, side show. It's all just, just ignore it. It's just There's all for retail. It's, yeah, I mean, I just think it's it, you've got to turn up at some of these conferences, mate, right? Um, and just realize they're all now in an ocean of hurt financially, and they're all trying to sort of scam money out of each other. Yeah, nothing good about that. Yeah, yeah. and then just. To be playing in Bitcoin without understanding options theory, it just you're gonna get your head handed to you. Well, you know yeah. who got their head handed to them for doing that? No, Logan Paul. We'll have another discussion about which side. <laughs> he, I think he did that as a result of other things and scamming, not so much. Yeah, you know, he comes up with his own coin. He did a whole series of other things. Anyway. The 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 digity do whatever yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just all of that, which was the idea that I can some short term profit grab for nothing. Well, the NFTs he did was a great example of that. Yeah, but he like shows how much a story can sell something. Yeah, that's what those that whole project why it was so valuable. I think even if it wasn't an NFT, it would have still done really well mm -hmm. just because of the story of how he like made it. Mm -hmm. The reason why I've been interested in trying to have the conversation with you, Tom, is that I feel like 
the challenges of how people are going to be engaged with the creator economy and make a middle to upper middle class income out of being creators are not being addressed by my generation. So what we've succeeded in doing to you is grabbing all the real estate, running through the greatest equity and bond bull market in history and leaving you a world after three years where we locked you up for coronavirus that was never going to hurt any of you to protect a whole lot of us and borrowed a ton of money to keep the economy going, that we've left you with a terrible, terrible economic situation. You can't buy a house in any reasonable basis without help from your parents or grandparents. What half of you want to do, which is actually be a successful Tom in the creator economy, we're not doing anything to think about how that's actually going to work for you from an economic point of view. And I continue to make the case that crypto is the best possible solution to the problems that confront you. I acknowledge that there are people like Corey Doctorow and Rebecca Giblin out there who think crypto is the antichrist and they've mm -hmm. got a different regulatory solution to this. But the reason I came to find you was to try and have a set of thoughtful conversations about whether realistically for a successful creator like you, you could take more control of your career and end up with a better economic outcome than sitting within the algorithm overlords and the very small number of platforms that are out there at the moment. So that's why I wanted to find you and talk to you. Yeah, well, it like works hand in hand from my perspective. There's so much advice and stuff that you've obviously learned along your journey that does correlate into the creator economy with thinking about stuff and how to get paid, it is quite a difficult, I will say to other creators listening or people that want to be creators, it is a difficult career path to go. There is a lot to learn. There's a lot that you're going to discover about yourself. There's a lot of people you're going to meet that like you've obviously met as well that don't have your best interests at heart. And I think that's a great purpose for this podcast that we can speak from different perspectives on that. Yeah, and it's a bridge over a lot of years, but if it's going to work, we've got to find a bridge between the people yeah. who aren't trying to scam the young people, aren't trying to lock them up in their houses for three years to protect them for no good reason, not shut down their university and education and not be a person lent, you know, writing comments that are negative when you try and bring positivity to the world after coronavirus. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting you say that a lot of people growing up now would want to be content creators because it, was, it wasn't the same for me in my generation. I don't know what your generation was when you wanted to grow up, but for me, it felt like it was more sport orientated. That was mm -hmm. like the kid goal was like, oh, especially in Australia, I feel like you're so brought up with sport. It's like, oh, I want to be a cricket player, or a footy player. Like that's the goal. But it is interesting. I would love to speak or like get someone in that is in high school and actually understand mm -hmm. that kind of like their mentality. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we could like 
Well, find you before you yeah, we found gotta... <laughs> social media. Exactly. I mean, you were telling me the story about having <clears throat> the laptop. So yeah. find somebody, hand them the equivalent of a laptop or a smartphone yeah. and try and engage to understand them. Because in the same way as I'm trying to discover about you, you're trying to discover about somebody in year seven. Yeah. Well, that's it's it's hard because that is my audience as well. Well, that is the audience right now.